Hello and welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the random movie we watched at midnight was Michael Simino's The Deer Hunter. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. Luke? Uh, dude. <laughs> oh, jeez, dude, we got one this week. Um, oh, we got a big one. A big one this week. Deer Hunter, boy! Deer Hunter, Nashy boy! Um, so let's, uh, how did we discover this film, dude? I believe that it was part of the community on Instagram that showed us this one. Oh, with the community. Community. Our friend Kyle Gaunt told us that this was a movie he always wanted to see, but never got around to. So you know what Nash and I did? We got around to it. Without him, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he was not involved in watching it. He probably totally still hasn't excluded seen it. him. But we excluded him and watched it ourselves. So we're here to talk to you about it. So... Deer Hunter, you never heard of this movie? Came out in 1978, and it's probably got some actors you've heard of, not gonna lie. We got, um, you ever heard of Robert De Niro? No. Uh, how about, um... Oh, he was in that Papa John's commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, what about Christopher Walken? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I know, he, he was great on SNL. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Robert De Niro's playing Michael. Christopher Walken's playing Nick. Uh, John Cazale, that uh, some of you may know as the legendary Fredo, is playing Stan. And then we got John Savage playing Steven. And a very young Meryl Streep playing Linda. And Meryl Streep has a tough movie in this one. Real tough character to deal with. Um, I didn't mean that like that. I meant she has a lot to deal with as her character. She's pl- totally yeah. pleasant in the movie. I'm sorry. I <laughs> that. Who directed She's got a lot to answer with with this movie, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Nash, who directed this movie? Uh, Michael Cimino. Know him uh, for anything besides Deer Hunter? No, not really. Yeah. More of a writer than a director, and I actually am pretty sure that the book for this movie was actually based off of the screenplay, so it's a very rare circumstance where the book came after the movie. I don't think I've ever heard of that before, ever. Yeah, I can't I can't name of anything like right now where the movie came before the book. Yeah, that's really weird. So, um, how about the world of this town, dude? It takes place in a small suburban town in uh, Clayton, Pennsylvania, um, sponsored by Rolling Rock, if you didn't know. I was about to say, that movie is the heart of old Latrobe. (laughs) The amount of Rolling Rock that's getting pounded in it. And so, De Niro, Walken, John Savage, um, everybody, uh, they all live in this small Pennsylvania town, and they're essentially just, like, some fun-having friends who all work at the same place, and, um... It's a real small town feel where people just go to work, go home, have fun, try to live life to the fullest, the best they can in the situation they're in. And um, it kind of, the plot shifts when um, all three of them, not the entire group of friends, just half of the group of friends, enlist to go to Vietnam. And this just causes a long chain reaction of effects and um, really just caused by the gruesome reality of war. And so that's the movie we're dealing with. It's a really gritty war movie, but a very interesting war movie, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, like you mentioned, we get a lot, it's a lot of comparison to change. Um, the effects of war, just because it's based on Vietnam, that's kind of pretty common in pretty much every Vietnam movie. Is it's going to mention sort of the effects of it on the people that were involved. Um, also, one thing that I did want to mention that is kind of reoccurring, if, especially if you're seeing it for the first time, the one-shot thing... That gets reiterated a lot in the movie, um, so I think it's an important thing to take note of. But Luke, more importantly, (laughs) 
thumbs up or down is this movie worth the watch thumbs up dude come on definite, definite thumbs up yeah. easy easy thumbs up if you've got a cool three hours to burn <laughs> i would go as i would use the adjective incredible dude i would use the adjective incredible just that one yeah just incredible just incredible. Oh, okay it's, <laughs> not yeah. phenomenal uh no not inspiring <laughs> no just just incredible and you're right if you do have three hours to burn please burn it with this movie <laughs> Yeah, we suggest if you're going to watch this, do not watch it at midnight. No, do not watch this one at midnight. You'll pro- I mean, eh, there'll be one scene that'll really, really wake you up. But. Yeah, you'll... <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree more. But now that we've given you a taste of the movie, we really don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. So if you haven't already, like and subscribe to our channel. Wink, wink. Uh, pause this video so you can check this one out for yourself, because like we said, it is definitely worth the watch 100 percent, bro so luke how is this movie divided <laughs> dude i hate you so much dude, <laughs> you, notes. So, um, you know we said one of the main motifs of this movie is change and specifically how something really dramatic can change you and like everything that your life is a part of so we felt as though it was best to really talk about this movie chronologically because the way that the acts build upon themselves is really just based on where people were before they got to where they are right now. And so I really divide it into like three parts where the first hour is very like happy, introducing the characters, whatnot. Second, as first acts usually do, of course. Second act, um, <laughs> some ish hits the fan. If you've seen this movie, obviously you know what the hell I'm talking about. And uh, then the third part is when they return home from the war. And obviously the war changed a lot of things for everybody so like nash what's really your like your kind of take on the way that the plot is constructed in this way and how like this is a three-hour movie and i kind of wish it was shorter but i don't wish it was shorter because it's not gonna work if it's any bit shorter yeah no i'd agree with that the way they manage the on-screen time is uh, you know i'm no expert but i would say it's darn near perfect just because (laughs) you don't really want to cut out any of those little moments in like the first part, which is, I remember when we were watching it, you were like, we're 45 minutes in. We're not even in Vietnam yet. Mm -hmm. And it's like, totally agree. It isn't that action packed, but everything that you're seeing is pretty interesting. No amount of time ever really seems wasted, even though it's sort of kind of like a campy get to know everybody kind of scene it doesn't feel cheesy or unrealistic it's very believable and it does draw you in especially when sort of the tension kind of builds in that first scene around the wedding and around the people in town you know it's very plainly displayed how sort of imperfect everybody is it's not sort of as peaceful on the surface as as it may seem and that's not necessarily the point i just think it creates a much more realistic and believable side to watch the movie like it seems very normal yeah no dude that's a that's a really great point my kind of um my idea on that was that like it seems like a perfect utopia quote-unquote definitely not a utopia but like that kind of idea but then when you get under the layers of it like at the wedding everybody's drunk and kind of hitting on everybody's wives and girlfriends and everything and they go on this some people are literally hitting on their wives and girlfriends like their best friends and then they go on this hunting trip and like robert nero is just laying in to um stan and like you get the idea that they're like old-fashioned like guy friends who are mean to each other dicks but like at the end of the day like they're homies but it does a really good job of just showing that like okay 
yeah, they love their life. They're in this small Pennsylvania town, but at the same time, like, they have their emotions and feelings just like any other person in the world, you know? Yeah, no character seems like a two-dimensional person. Mm-hmm. They all seem pretty unique and genuine people. Like, the, the, they are very well written and very well acted in that first scene. So you don't get bored with it you know that that's a very hard thing to do when you're establishing sort of normality mm-hmm. is like being normal is pretty boring most of the time but you get a lot of you know we start to see some pretty good quotes especially one thing that will become reoccurring throughout the movie this is where you first hear the one shot thing mm-hmm. from de niro about you can only you kill the deer with one shot that's all it is you're not you know just pumping it full of lead um just because it's more of like you take value in what you're doing. Yeah, take value in what you're doing, definitely. And like what kind of, I don't know, what is not the meaning of life, but like what goes into a life and what factors affect the way that you enjoy your life. So let's like get, so first off, the very first scene in the first part is um, they're in this like steel mill and it's really loud. There's a ton of background noise just like kind of yelling at you and there's fire bursting up from like the factory, like looks like lava and stuff. And you know, not to get too pretentious, but I kind of got the feeling of like, oh crap, these characters are gonna go through hell just because this is where they work. It's a really hot place, steamy place clearly a stressful place and like this is the start of the movie so it kind of sets a tone that like you know this is going to be a bit of like an in-your-face movie like sit back and just kind of wait for what happens but then you know we have a 50 minute wedding scene that really establishes who our characters are and that's why it's done in such a great way that at the same time you're like what am i watching for like quite a while before the movie really kind of hones back in yeah, no, exactly. So there are jumps in time, but it's a purely linear plot. It only it goes from A to B, so it's not sort of like a confusing mess like prestige. Know, Chris, yeah, like a Christopher Nolan movie. You're gonna get a lot of time skipping and going back and forth. This one, it's pretty straightforward, which makes it very good for comparing things. And I think that's a very good, you know. Uh, description of that opening scene because that's the biggest thing i remember is like it was so loud in there like you can't even hear what they're yelling about yeah uh-huh. and it just it looks like a miserable time but it's it's sort of like they're done with work and you know that's then that's who they really are yeah and you really just get to feel the camaraderie between all these friends and you know uh, those beginning scenes comparing them to the end of the movie i, I think the beginning scenes really work a lot better after you kind of know how the movie's going to end because we have the great scene where they're singing I Love You Baby in the beginning of the movie and they're all hammered. You got Christopher Walken belching out the lyrics and everything and you're like, yeah. okay, this is a good group of friends. These are some guys that maybe I would want to hang out with, you know? But then compare, jump way ahead real quickly to the end of the movie where they're singing God Bless America and completely different tone. We'll talk about that after we get into some more stuff. But the point I'm trying to make is that like these beginning scenes really set you up to just like, why would you ever want life to change from this? Like, is this not the idea of what people think like i don't know maybe the american dream is just like finding success in your own way and like spending it with people that you're friends with i think that is a really good point because pretty much everybody there is volunteering to go to vietnam yeah it goes everybody in the movie that that we see go to vietnam you know says that they signed up they they weren't drafted they chose to go over there and do it Mm -hmm. and so to compare that to the end yeah i think it's a pretty you know stark look at where they came from to where they ended up but 
I think we should start to go into Vietnam a little bit because I think that's pretty interesting in and of itself how they get there. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So like, um, so the only other thing I want to touch on in the wedding is just um the way that De Niro and Walken talk to that sergeant about going to Vietnam because mm-hmm. that's kind of our first transition into Vietnam like you just said and so yeah. we're talking to this guy and like De Niro is hammered like hammered to the point of where like you're annoyed with your friends hammered I think we've all been in that situation where someone's just like way <laughs> too drunk yelling at everybody saying mean things and they're asking this guy a ton of questions and um, De Niro asks like um, oh tell me what it's like tell me what it's like Christopher Walken says like kind of a funny anecdote and i'm pretty sure it was like send me where the bullets are flying and the fighting's the worst huh and he like said it just as like um not a caricature but just when like like wow what's the term for like a phrase that people just like use a lot just to like friendly say something to somebody you don't know you know what i mean like he just throws it out there like huh send me where the fighting's the worst huh and then within 45 minutes you see that christopher walken clearly regrets being sent to where the fighting is worst you know what i mean yeah no exactly it's like he it's a very casual like thing that he says but how that sergeant sort of identifies with that with the war itself he clearly has a much more aggressive understanding of it. And we see that later in those characters. But yeah, that's definitely the first sort of little glimpse that we get into of actually being in Vietnam. Yeah, and well, his, the general's understanding of what the war actually is, is what ends up defining most of the movie. Because what I find between this opening part where it's really kind of happy and a wedding and everybody's crazy and then we get that stark difference in tone that we're about to like really get into and it's like i felt like the movie was showing like all your friends in your hometown you have this great life and you just like expect things and don't know but once you actually get to the reality of a situation where you could die or the people around you could seriously be injured it completely changes you you know like it's not a situation where christopher walken can just say send me where the bullets are flying and the fighting's the roughest that's actually like a pretty ignorant thing to say to somebody who was just in the war and Christopher Walken learns that within 40 minutes of the movie you know what I mean like it's a real and that's that's honestly what I like about this movie because it wasn't a Vietnam movie that was just like oh look at this sick movie where people are shooting each other it's about talking about the difference between the two worlds and talking about how it's going to change you as a person your life isn't going to be the same if you experience something so terrible as this Mm mm-hmm no, I think that's a really good point to make. And I think it'd be fair to assume that based on how they sort of interact with each other and the community that they live in, it wouldn't be far-fetched to say that they probably don't, like, leave town that often, yeah. you know? Like, mm-hmm. they're going to go on their hunting trip, but it's like they're not interacting with anybody else, you know? So they're very sort of... They have a closed window on what they know about everything else that's going on. Yeah. Especially in an entirely different country. Yeah, man. So, um, so wedding, deer hunt, Vietnam is the way that it goes chronologically. And that deer hunt is actually a really small portion of the movie right there. And it's interesting because it's called the deer hunter. You would think that that deer hunt would be like, I don't know, a major point of the plot in a three-hour movie. And I think it really only comes down that first time they go out to being like 15 minutes maybe, 20 minutes maybe. And 
Yo, shouts to the camera crew, the production squad that had to follow <laughs> De Niro up into the mountains and just get him walking for five seconds. I totally know that that was a tough day on set. So shouts to those people from like 40 years ago. You got my blessing 40 years in the future. Yeah, right. Before, before they unionized. So <laughs> yeah, so they go, they go on the deer hunt. We get a little bit more taste of who they are and De Niro shoots a deer and he gets him and it's a pretty graphic scene Peter would not approve you do see the deer like cry out in pain as it's dying a little hardcore three star pelt <laughs> yeah man and then they get back and the, that piano scene man really interesting to me because I felt like for the first hour hour five minutes I'm pretty sure they got to Vietnam in like an hour ten almost exactly so for the first like hour hour and five all of them are always really loud swearing at each other like making jokes and stuff when he's playing the piano I felt like that was the first time they really slowed down for a second and like all kind of took in the moment and it was like felt like a swan song like this was the last moment this was the last yeah. deer hunt like it's never gonna be like this again guys no, exactly. That's that's where I would say the transition to Vietnam starts because um, just probably the best movie to relate it to would be like Full Metal Jacket. That's probably one of the most popular Vietnam movies or movies mm -hmm. in general. But that whole, you know, in that whole movie, it's like the first half hour of Full Metal Jacket is that mentality being broken down and reshaped. And in this one, it occurs very brilliantly it's not it's not too fast or too quick it happens in like you said five minutes of them just singing that song yeah a, a real stark difference in tone so how um how do how, how do you want to start the vietnam section dude because the vietnam section is like <laughs> i don't even know how to they start. just jump right into it they exactly they exactly there's no it. there's no boot camp you're just in the middle of a fight, the second year in Vietnam. De Niro's already on the ground with a ton of murdered soldiers around him. Oh yeah, he lights a guy on with he lights a guy on fire with a flamethrower. Uh, a couple seconds before he lights that guy on fire, he opens up a bunker and throws a grenade on a bunch of women and children. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. This movie literally went from a piano scene to a mass murder in like literally thirty seconds, and it was such a stark tone of difference. It caught me off guard, and I was totally with it. Oh yeah, it isn't. It isn't poorly done. That's that's the big difference because we can. There are a lot of movies that don't sort of do transitions well. Yeah. But this right here, even for how rapid it is, it's beautifully done. Hundred percent. It tells the story very well. Um, but then I guess it sort of takes another shift. It's <laughs> almost. It, it almost like that. Almost. That's probably like the high, the fastest paced scenes in the movie, or right as you're in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And then once they're captured, it sort of slows down. It slows down again, but in a really interesting way. And like um, I was saying to you, like you want to look at Apocalypse Now, that's three and a half hours in Vietnam. And there's a ton of different experiences in Vietnam that craft that movie and the things that happen to the characters. In this mm. movie, it's really only the Russian roulette scene when they're captured that I feel like defines their Vietnam experience. And like... I thought that was really interesting just for a war movie because I've seen quite a few Vietnam movies, World War II movies, etc., etc. And, like, the fact that this is a three-hour, quote-unquote, war movie that only has really one solid scene of the war, I think speaks to how incredible it actually is because you and me are, like, head over heels about this war movie that only had, like, 20 minutes actually during the Vietnam yeah. War, you know? Yeah, no, it, exactly. And it, it, that scene in particular... Um, 
Oh my gosh. Dude, oh my god. I I can't believe that I've never seen that in my in my years of life while wanting to watch movies all the time. How have I never seen this movie, dude? Like it doesn't make sense to me. This is why we need to do this podcast because yeah. there's way too many of these freaking movies out there. And it's crazy to see that like that scene, the Russian roulette scenes are sort of the the that's straight up just been duplicated by so many other Yeah movies we saw i mentioned i was like this exact this is exactly what happens in uh what games call of duty this happens yeah. in like call of duty black ops like mm-hmm. this is the exact same scene mm-hmm. so it's it's and i see why it's very memorable it's hard to get out <laughs> it's hard to get any of what happened out of your head yeah, like, from those scenes like but oh my yeah god. oh my god dude like Christopher Walken is such an amazing actor, and he's such a character. He's become such a caricature. Car- God, caricature, over time, being uh, Christopher Walken. I'm walking, Christopher Walken. You know what I mean? But yeah. Like, actually, seeing him just play an amazing character, an amazing, not an amazing situation, a tragical situation, if you will, a tragical. God, I'm doing it again, dude. Save me, save me before I fall off into the tongue twisters. But you, 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 you know what I mean? Like it, it was so crazy to me to like see Christopher Walken in such an intense role and just like murder it. And it's like, oh, this is why this guy is one of the most famous actors of all time. Not because he just has a funny accent and he's like a caricature, but because he actually brings the chops when he needs to bring the chops. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, without a doubt. that That is totally... Probably one of the best acted scenes, even on De Niro's part, like the whole time when he's laughing with that guy at the table. Yeah. That's sort of leading the game. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did want to bring up, too, was because they established this thing um, about the one shot pretty early on. Yeah. And this is kind of kind of going back to why this movie is called The Deer Hunter. Because titles are very important. <laughs> yeah. They are. They're supposed to draw your attention to it. That's where you find a lot of the importance of what's going to happen. Should be based off of the title. The title is descriptive and it's poetic as well. And so when it says, like, the deer hunter, how we see Robert De Niro's whole ca- like character as the deer hunter, it really revolves around that principle of one shot. Yeah. You just kill him with one shot. And... Russian roulette is played with one bullet at a time, typically. And that's why this scene is so powerful, because this is a sen- this is the crux of the whole movie. This is straight up when you see everybody get absolutely broken mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, and what happens is one shot becomes three shots. Yeah. And so that's a pretty big thing in storytelling, where you establish a pattern, you establish something that's sort of like the standard... And then you break it. Like, it, the most, the probably the most, the times it was done the most is like in uh, classic literature and like uh, in Shakespeare. He writes, they're in iambic pentameter. Well, whenever that system of talking is broken, that's when you know something is important. Because the whole damn thing is written in iambic pentameter. But when you've got like four lines that go over it by two syllables or one syllable. They're supposed to stick out to you because they're supposed to ring a lot of importances, and that's this is exactly what that scene does. You you straight up, it all comes down to this one moment and how it defines everybody involved. That's a really interesting point, dude. I didn't even like really think about how the three bullets compared to the one bullet like actually affects the characters. But you're right. That's like that's a that's a real transition between it and uh, just. <laughs> 
just as far as like movie scenes go, dude, just when he's slapping him, yelling at him, and Robert De Niro is doing his crazy laugh, like, yeah, I, I want to watch Taxi Driver after watching this movie, dude, because De Niro's <laughs> got the crazy chops like crazy, yo. But um, like he's just slapping him and slapping him. Christopher Walken is like bawling his eyes out. You know that Steve is downstairs like crying because he's in the. He, oh my god! I just like. In the water box. Yeah, man, that's got to be one of the most intense scenes I've ever seen in my entire life, and it's like such a simple concept in a way of just like two dudes across across the table from each other, one bullet in the gun, but like just the thought that this stuff could have actually happened, the thought of the reality of war, the thought of the reality of, like, how these guys just spent an hour at a wedding all loving each other. Robert Nero got naked and ran in the street like a madman. And now, 35 minutes in the future, it's like, oh, my God. These things can happen in our world. And, like, that's a really scary and real thing to, like, consider. And, you know, that's another reason I love storytelling is because, like, it just gives you perspectives on things in, like, an interesting way that kind of lets you relate to it and like obviously i wouldn't want to relate to a situation like that because i'm not a psychopath but like what are we like what are we supposed to do when things just like that happen in our life dude like it's like the killing joke in batman you know (laughs) like one bad day dude one bad day again can you be broken from one bad day and like it kind of happens to christopher walken yeah definitely it's a really good point too with how the on-screen time management is, we're, like you said, we're only in Vietnam for like 20 minutes, but this character development does not feel rushed in any way. It feels like it got me, it got the audience, me and you, exactly where we needed to be when it happened. It was all very believable, believable and followed, followed the story pretty well too. Like, because uh, Christopher Walken, you sort of see him, you sort of see how he is becoming like mentally deteriorated in the scenes after when he's in the hospital and things like that. Whereas De Niro was sort of the guy that got them out. And so he's definitely altered by that and changed, but he sort of kind of remains the most intact out of all of them. Yeah. And like he was the most willing to do whatever crazy thing needed to get done to get out of that moment. Yeah, man, and it just, you know, it, it's moment, moments like that in people who like um, those kind of intense scenes, just when he shoots the guy who's been slapping him in the middle of the head, and then Christopher Walken is just beating the dude with the AK in the side. It was just like... Oh, yeah. Just, that was... Th- yeah, oh my god. It's just so... It was so intense, dude, and it just, like, really made me be, like... You know, like, we've learned about Vietnam in school, we've seen these movies, and, like, a movie like this really is just, like, yo, all that glorification you've seen, F all that. That's BS, because, like, people were affected by this, and, like, this is the reality of the situation. Don't glorify it in a movie like, I don't know, Platoon, maybe. I feel like Apocalypse Now and Full Metal Jacket kind of also try to do what this movie does, where just show that, like, people can be broken in these kind of situations, and, like... I just think when you relate it to actual real life and you think about just how terrible these types of things can be, it just adds a lot of weight to the movie for me and like makes me want to stick with these characters, keep watching, and want them all to come out on the other side. And unfortunately, just like real life, that doesn't happen. Yeah, no, and that's a really good point because this movie, it isn't based off of any true thing, but a big thing about Vietnam was the negotiating for... POWs, prisoners of war, and 
a lot of them were never sort of found were unknown that they don't know what happened to them that we have no idea we have no record of of how they ended up after they were captured and things like that so you know this movie isn't real it isn't based off of a true story but it's founded in a sense of realism which like i've mentioned before historical fiction makes for some of the best storytelling ever because you have concepts that we're all familiar with Mm -hmm. exactly Exactly, and you can dude, exactly. make them dramatic as they need to be. Like nothing that nothing that we saw here in this movie seemed unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, let me. I mean, dude, I just, we the I feel like we just took a, like a turn in terms of what like talking about the movie and talking about real life and getting a little like hard on our listeners. I'm sorry for anybody, but like <laughs> you know, like it's a really intense movie that talks about a real thing that happened to us. And like I just have to say, like I'm really thankful for people who like defend this country from things like this. You know, so anyway, let's get back to the movie. Enough with all this sappy stuff. But like, it's just a really intense scene, <laughs> and like. When you look at it, not as, like, a badass glorified scene, but you look at it as, like, real people being broken, I just think that that's good storytelling. That is storytelling that makes you, like, really think about your life, the things that you're thankful for, and the things that other people had to go through. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're going back down the hole again. Yeah. Let's return home to America. <laughs> yeah, so essentially we return home after the horrors of war are affected onto our characters, and nothing is the same there's no more laughing putting twinkies in mustard there's no more drinking at parties all night they're still rolling rock but you're drinking them sad you're not drinking them happy you're, you're drinking, you're drinking, <laughs> drinking sad rolling rock is not as fun as drinking happy you're, rolling you're rock. drinking out of dirty glasses when you get back yeah facts bro and so pretty much we come back and Christopher Walken, no one knows where he is. Robert De Niro has to stay in a hotel his first night, and Steve lost his legs, bro. Like, what's your take on all that? I think I think that's a really interesting twist because we start following uh, De Niro a lot more, whereas I felt like the movie up until that point was following Walken the most. Um, and when we get back, uh, De Niro, Michael... He doesn't go home right away, even though he's got the whole party. He tells the cab driver to keep going to drive past his house. And that was really interesting to me because compared to what's going to happen later, you know, what happens later in the movie when he goes back to Vietnam, he's more comfortable going back to Vietnam than he is going back home. Yeah, 100%. And so that was a very subtle but a very well done part of the movie just talking about this because it's almost like it's so familiar to him because so much happened there that he doesn't sort of want to see how life was before. You know, he doesn't want that remembrance of the better times when his friends weren't all destroyed by Vietnam. Yeah. And you know, it's the way that he interacts with the three friends who didn't go is also interesting because like, um, Stan is kind of the butt of a lot of jokes in this movie. And, um, like, he carries around the little snub nose as if he's ever going to need it in his small town in Pennsylvania. And he's, like, uh, he, he, he points it unloaded at um, one, of, one of their friends just, like, because they were having an argument. And he was, like, kind of pointing at him as, as a joke, kind of not. And De Niro walks in on him and rips the gun out of his hand because, like, the hell are you doing, dude? I had to go through an crazy Russian roulette experience and you're out here pointing guns at people as a joke. 
you know? So, like, that third part is when you really see the difference between what life was and what life wasn't for these people. Yeah, and honestly, a good point that you brought up while we were watching it was when he uh, uh, he goes to, uh, was it Walken's wife? Or was um, it? Mer- Meryl Streep is, was Walken's um, wife, yeah. No, it was the other guy. Um, I don't remember her name, name. With, the, with the brown hair. Yeah, who, who gets married in the wedding. He gets married in the wedding. When he goes to visit her, like that, that kid there has like that toy revolver. Mm-hmm with him and you're like that's kind of messed up how like toy guns are kind of like a thing you know yeah right like that's a really good point and that's straight up where you see the 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 similarities between that sergeant they met at the bar on the night of the wedding Mm -hmm. because it's like now that toy gun has a totally different meaning to him because he watched you know so many people shoot themselves in the head Mm -hmm. while he was a prisoner of war so it it really does a a very nice comparison with the familiar thing in the beginning. And now we're seeing it compared after he's gone through this change, especially with, uh, the gun that you were talking about with what's his name. I'm bad at names. Stan. Stan. Yeah. 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 Stan. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, man, like, and it just, it does a really good job painting that picture of how, I don't know, there's how many call of duty games, you know, how, yeah. how many Call of Duty games are there? That's just a video game that we play for, for, for fun on the weekend. And, like, these are actual people whose actual lives got affected by stuff, you know? And I think that that's just... It's done in a really real way in this movie, and it takes its time. It tells these characters' stories, and it tries to give you examples of how they've changed. And I feel like all of them hit home. None of them were, like, too far-fetched. Like, um... Let's talk about how Christopher Walken never comes back and completely changes as a person, and Steve just kind of loses his limbs and is like still kind of like a happy guy who's just going with the flow as much as he can, but his life is completely changed. And so, it's yeah. like it's a it's another interesting difference between like the extremes of what can happen and like the I don't know the reality of getting your legs blown off. He didn't get them blown off. He like fell onto some rocks. That was a gnarly scene, dude. Yeah, oh yeah, close up on his leg. Yeah. Brutal. But that that is a really crazy scene or crazy part of the movie because we you can compare them very easily cuz uh Steve, you know, who becomes, you know, loses his legs, he comes back to America and the same thing with his relation to Vietnam. It's like he doesn't want to return back to that normal life. Mm-hmm. He's broken so much physically that it affects him mentally and he feels more comfortable in the hospital just because it can accommodate him. That's his reasoning for it. And it it makes his whole life easier, which is very understandable. But we see that by the end of the movie, when he comes to the funeral, he isn't, you know, totally broken psychologically because he does leave the hospital to go to the funeral. He does come back into that sort of normal life, Mm -hmm. even though for him, it's not normal. Robert De Niro sort of leaves the least, definitely the least damaged, but still a lot of damage there for him uh, with the events that happened because he still doesn't feel comfortable going back home. It's a lot easier for him to go find Walken in Vietnam, who has totally gone off the rails. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot himself as a person and didn't even want to, like 
entertain the idea of going back home. Stayed in Vietnam to do Russian roulette. Yeah, for funsies. And that's not an easy find on ZipRecruiter. That is not an easy find on ZipRecruiter, and the pay is actually pretty terrible. <laughs> but um, let's. Let, I. Do you think we should talk about that scene? The the final scene. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what do you want to say about it? I really think it's probably some of the best acting that scene I've ever. It's those two Russian roulette scenes is some of the best acting I've probably ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. Because when when you see, like, Walken's character, like, come out of that room and he fixes his watch and he just sort of walks over and De Niro, you know, tries to talk to him, can't get anything by him. Then they're playing. You know, De Niro steps in for that other guy to try to win him. And, like, then you see the connection sort of start to form and then the second it forms, it's gone. Yeah. And that, that, that scene really does wake you up. That scene wakes I you did up. I not, did not see that coming. I don't see that coming at all. In fact, I audibly screamed at the top of my lungs when it, when it happened, dude, because, oh, my God. Like, I don't, even, I don't even know what to say, honestly. Just, like, the, red, the way that the red headband looks on his head, it's just, like, the, he looks like he has nothing behind his eyes, you know? Like, he was just totally broken by the things that happened to him. And yeah, he's he's physically looks different. I think makeup did something to him to make him look more gaunt. Yeah, dude, and like um, it's it, it it was it was it was hard to see because Christopher Walken was one of like the most likable characters in the movie, just like being himself in like the town. Like he was really funny. He seemed to be nice to everybody. He had a good relationship with Meryl Streep. Like he seemed to be one of the better guys of the crew, and he's the one who's affected the most by it. Even when they're on that deer hunting trip, he's like um, uh, what does he say? Um, I starve myself to keep the fear up. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> you know? And so, like, just that, yeah, climax. You want to look up the definition of climax in a movie? Freaking want to deer it's, hunter, dude. It's that. And just it's like, that scene. Yeah, man. I just, like, I don't, it was so long, it really didn't feel like that much happened, but so much happened. And, it really just made me like, um, really just made me think about um, like the reality of life, dude. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'm sounding like a douche, but like it really did. Like it really made me think about change and like the way that things happen to people, not in extreme circumstances like this, but just the way that you drift apart from people when things happen between parties and they can't go back to life normally after that. Like it felt like a really human movie in the messages that they were trying to send. And obviously that war stuff is a little exaggerated to a certain extent, but they do it in a way that's trying to get across a message. And I, I just think that the message is done well enough that I'm sitting here blown away by the movie that I just saw. Yeah, it, it's done very well, and it's it really makes you sort of acknowledge that like you can like move on from move on in life and go do something else in a new place, and maybe it's harder, maybe it's not, but sort of bringing that back to where you're from or where you know that's familiar. It's not that one is more or less real. It's just that having those two worlds fit together is way more difficult than anyone ever anticipates when it, when they sort of do it, when they come back. Mm, that well said, well said, exactly. 
Exactly. And so that's why that's why I think it's a really unique and interesting war film. And honestly, why haven't you watched this movie yet, dude? <laughs> I feel most people who listen to this probably had seen it. But if you listen to this just because you love listening to Nash and I talk, we love you so hey, much. Hey, why haven't you watched hey. this movie yet? Because this was a movie that I was like, what? How have I not ever heard of this one? Because, like, I don't know. When you think about De Niro classics, I think of Taxi Driver or Raging Bull. Like, I feel like Deer yeah. Hunter isn't talked about that much anymore. And it was just really incredible to me. Straight up. And, yeah, from from all angles, too, the supporting cast is incredible in that yeah. movie. Believe every single one of their characters. Mm-hmm. And we, we we didn't really talk about Mer- Meryl Streep. I, in the beginning, I said that I felt like I kind of set up like we were going to. Essentially, she was just married to Christopher Walken, and she just does a really great job of showing what it's like for somebody who was stuck at home and having things that she couldn't control affect her life because it's not her fault that Christopher Walken and De Niro went through what they did. She just loved Christopher Walken and it gets to the point where she's at work crying in the back of the in the back room just because she misses the things ways the thing the way things used to be, sorry. And like I don't know, again, just a really human thing that's like really subtle. She's not like she's not in every scene of the movie, but when she's there, I'm like, dude, this is like really this is really well done, really well acted, really emotional. Like, dang, bro. <laughs> Pull, pulls you back in very well. Yeah. Well. So. Yeah, who? I guess. <laughs> I, yeah. guess I guess I guess we got to say who should watch this movie now. Um, well, think. anybody who likes Robert De Niro films like, I don't know, Goodfellas or um, Godfather Part 2. He's not in the first one. I know my shit. Don't you try to get me, boy. <laughs> um, it, like if you like Robert De Niro films, you've never seen this one. Definitely see it. If you like war films, definitely see it. And if you like, um, I don't know, just see it. <laughs> just, it really, just it's, it, a, it's a, just it's a great it. movie. It's a heavy, it's a heavy movie. Heavy movie. But I think that anybody would enjoy it if you if you like movies, <laughs> watch this movie. It's a yeah. good one. <laughs> I would recommend it to people who like movies and. We sometimes we do a rating, sometimes we don't. I'll give this one a, a ten, dude. I'll just give it a ten, just straight up. No explanation, no nothing. It's just a ten out of ten. You're giving it. <laughs> no explanation, no reason. Well, I guess when it's well, I guess when it's perfect, yep. there isn't much to say. Yep, yep. Nothing to do. Nothing to do. Ten out of ten. No comment. Hi, <laughs> right, bro. So uh, we got shout out my boy Schwartz. For the beat in the beginning, thank you every week, my friend. This week, I'm also shouting out a YouTube account, Kyle Gaunt Reviews. He was our friend who recommended this movie to us, and uh, he does a really great YouTube channel. He talks about a lot of stuff that Nash and I are interested in, so go check him out if you uh, if you feel like anything. Nash, Nash, uh, you like Back to the Future? Not the third one, but yeah. He's got a he's he's got a video on it. You like Tom, you, you like Tommy Cruise in Mission Impossible? No. Uh, well, anyway, he's got a video on it, so go check go check out Kyle Gone. And then beat at the end of the episode this week is my boy Rain at Bismuth Beats. That's my homie. So please, everybody, thank you for listening. It was a great movie. Nash, play us out, bro. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, all right. Uh, please be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. You know, follow us on Instagram to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and help us determine the movies we watch in the future or and uh, future content that we can bring to you. A lot of pretty much all of this, you know, episode was based off of the community. Um, so big shout out to everybody that helped. Uh, be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. And remember, your donations keep my blue light on. 
And we will see you next week when we yell about the terminal with Tom Hanks. <laughs> to his pussy. To his pussy. You can't bleep it out. Who are you, God? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.